Well, I just want to say good morning, everybody. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name's Aaron. I am the pastor of Connections here at Pursuit, and um, it's great to be here with you guys in the park this morning. And uh, <laughs> this actually feels very much like the park because you're just so far back there. Um, I'm kind of like on my toes looking to see who's here. Uh, if you guys didn't know, I've been gone this last week. I just got back from a week of camp. Um, I was up at Pine Haven Christian Assembly in Park Rapids. Uh, really awesome camp. I was up there doing some speaking. This is the church camp that I grew up going to. So I just spent a hundred. I spent a week with 140 juniors, seniors, and graduates, and it was awesome. I just said that, and some of you just kind of shook a little bit when I said that because that sounds horrible. But it was amazing. Uh, awesome weather, awesome week, no issues. But the best part was yesterday morning we baptized 12 high schoolers. We baptized 12 high schoolers. So out of uh, 140. Um, we almost hit 10%. We almost got there. But the other really cool part, and I shared this in our prayer huddle, is that we had um, 16 commitments to vocational ministry, which is super cool to know that there are young people who not only love Jesus, but are considering doing ministry in some kind in the future. That's really awesome. So I just want to say thank you to each of you for letting me take a week to go do that. And also, I hope that you feel encouraged by that, because um, to know that you know, we are following Christ in a big kingdom, and there are young people that are answering that call, and so you should feel encouraged, too. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into our message for this morning. So pray with me. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning and for today and for the opportunity to be here with you. And God, we just ask you to inhabit not only this place this morning, but our lives. Give us the power of your spirit. Guide us and direct us. And uh, Father, we just ask that the, the words that are spoken this morning, that your scripture can be used for our benefit and your glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So our theme last week at camp was Selah, which is a word out of the Old Testament. It means several different things, but we were using this to focus on the theme of worship, helping high schoolers understand what true worship is. And I was one of the speakers, and so I spent a lot of time preparing for last week, kind of, you know, meditating on that subject of true worship. And as I was doing that, the thing that I kept coming back to in so many ways was this idea of trust, how important trusting God is in the context of worship. And if you think about it for a second, if you don't trust God or if you have a hard time trusting God, it's probably also then really hard to worship him. And so a lot of the lessons that I talked about last week were about trust. And that's kind of what I want to share with you guys this morning, is just a little, uh, couple little ideas on how to trust God a little bit more in your lives. If you don't trust God first, then you're just not going to have the respect or reverence or desire to worship him. And I think that's a really important part of our relationship with our Father. Uh, a little story for you guys. Years ago, uh, when I was still doing active youth ministry, um, I had a group of freshmen, and I took them on a mission trip. We were up in Duluth in Superior, Wisconsin, and we spent a week doing uh, work uh, in women's shelters and a bunch of different things. It was an awesome trip. And at the end of that week, we took a couple of days to go do some fun stuff. And so we drove them all the way across the state of Wisconsin to the northeastern corner. We ended up on the Peshtigo River at an adventure resort called Wild Man. How cool is that? Wild Man Adventure Resort. It was awesome. You drive into this place, and there, you just see all the activities, paintball, axe throwing. Um, there was, like, rock climbing and whitewater rafting. 
But the coolest part about that place was their ropes course. Their ropes course was amazing. And it's the first thing you see when you drive into this place. It's like 70 feet up in the air. It's huge. So the whole time we're there, the two days that we were there, all of these uh, freshmen were like, we got to go do the ropes course. And I was like, yeah, we do. Let's go. So we go do the ropes course one day. And we go do the ropes course, and there's just a bunch of different uh, things that you do. You get all the harnesses and geared up and get the helmets on, all those things. And everything was great until we got to the swing. And the swing was impressive. It was two, uh, like, giant telephone poles, standalone, with a wire between the two of them, 70 feet up in the air. And in the middle of that wire, like, was the fulcrum, and there was just a little rope hanging down. And then they would attach you to that rope and pull you up to the top. And then there was some sort of a... And when they released you, you would swing from one side all the way down to the other. It was awesome. I, I, don't, like, I don't have a huge fear of heights. Uh, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. But I was like, camp is for the camper. And so I really wanted uh, some of my freshmen to do it. So we go there, and we're just going down the line. And everyone's like, nope, nope, not doing it. So I'm like, fine, I'll do it. I'll be an example, godly example of how to trust in God. So I go do it. They, get, they attach me to this rope, and then they start, like, winching me up. And I thought there was going to be, like, some sort of a, like, motorized device that would, like, lift you up in the air. And I'm looking down, and I'm like, oh, there's three of my freshmen lifting me up into the air. And it's at that moment uh, that I started doing some quick arithmetic, thinking about, I'm a, I'm a solid 250, and I'm trying to add up the body weight of these three guys if they're more than that. And I was not confident that they were. So I get up to the top, and they're belaying me. And so, I, like, literally my life is in their hands. I, I thought for sure that, like, maybe the staff would be involved or something like that. They definitely were not. And uh, then they released me, and I swung, and it was fun. And uh, they were cheering me on, and I started singing show tunes just to show that it wasn't that big of a deal. And it was great. It was awesome. But there was about those two minutes as I'm being lifted into the air by three freshman boys that the fear of God inhabited my life. <laughs> Have you guys ever struggled with fear? Like real fear? Have you ever struggled with trust? Maybe it's a person that you don't trust. Maybe it's a friend or your spouse or your partner. Maybe it's a teacher or your employer or your boss. Maybe it's a thing, a rope, a bridge, a car, an elevator. Or maybe it's God. Maybe you love God, you have been a Christian, you love Jesus, but there are moments where, man, it is just hard to trust in him. Have you ever struggled with trusting God? If you've ever struggled trusting him, and I have many times, then I think hearing this message about trusting God can be a little bit hard to digest because it's a lot easier to say you trust than to actually trust. But I have some good news for you guys today. Trusting God is actually a lot easier than we think it is. If we were to look at God's word right now, if I had infinite time and I could just reveal the scriptures to you, we could go through the Bible methodically and look at every story, every narrative, every verse that talked about trust, we would realize that so much of the Bible is about stories of God teaching his people 
the how and why of trusting him. Trust is one of the central themes of the Bible, and it's evident that God values our trust. He wants us to trust him. He provides instruction. He provides guidance on how to learn and grow and our ability to do just that. So what happens when you trust God? When you trust, you find confidence in your relationship with him. It can bring you peace. You can find yourself worrying less about the hard things in life. You'll become more willing and more able to give away control to delegate the different aspects of your life. You don't have to worry about those things anymore. You can find and embrace freedom. Freedom knowing that God loves you and that you're valued. And it can create a lasting relationship with your Heavenly Father. And worship becomes natural and not forced. The opposite is true if you struggle with God, if you struggle trusting him. Things like fear, anxiety, insecurity, lack of identity, loss of connection, and stress are what happen when we don't trust him. God desires our full trust. So if you've ever struggled with trusting God, let's take a moment this morning to rest in his grace and explore a little bit of scripture that's going to help us understand what God wants us to do when we do struggle trusting him. This morning, I want to talk with you guys about taking the first step. So let's pause for a moment, and I want you guys to put on your thinking caps. I want you to think of a time in your life when you had to start something big. Doesn't matter if it's a project at work, a paper you had to write for school, anything. Just think of a moment, think of a time, a situation when you had to start something big. I want you to think of the circumstances of that situation. Maybe there's a choice that had to be made. Maybe there was preparation. Whatever it is, I just want you to think of it, and I want you to hold it, and we'll come back to it here in a few minutes. Like I said before, the Bible is chock full of stories about trust. If you guys have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. The story of Nehemiah is one that we teach in Sunday school to our kids. It's a very simple story that we oftentimes use to illustrate faith. But I think there's a difference between faith and trust. Faith is something you have, but trust, I think, is something that you use. You can have faith in God, but struggle with trusting him. Here's a little background for you guys on the story of Nehemiah, because we're just going to cover a very small section of it. If we're to go all the way back to, the, to Moses, I'm going to give you the quick run-up to this. Don't worry. <laughs> this is not, I don't have three hours to talk to you guys about the Old Testament. If you go back to Moses, the Israelites were slaves. They were captives in Egypt. Moses shows up, uh, and then they uh, are exiled. They get out of exile from Egypt. Uh, they are released from bondage. They end up in the desert wandering for 40 years. They had a rager out there. It was really great. They learned a lot of really hard lessons. Uh, And then eventually, through the grace of God, the Israelites entered the promised land of Canaan. Then they fought some battles there, and they kicked out some of the people who were living there. Eventually, they conquered that land, and it became their home. Through a series of people and stories, the Israelites cried out for human leadership on top of God's leadership, and so God gave them a royal family and their first king. And then they had a series of kings. 
If you read in the Old Testament, most of those kings weren't super great. And the kingdom of Israel actually splits in two at one point because of infighting, not quite a full-on civil war, but pretty close. Throughout all of this, God continues to ask his people to obey and worship him repeatedly over and over and over again. And surprise, they don't. Uh, So given their track record of obeying and worshiping, it's not a surprise that they struggled with trusting God and obeying him. So after a period of time, God warns his people about this over and over again, but eventually the Babylonians come and they conquer the Israelites, both kingdoms. The city of Jerusalem is destroyed. God's temple is destroyed. Scripture tells us that not one stone was left on top of another. Thoroughly done. And not only that was the kingdom destroyed, and the city destroyed. But a lot of God's people were killed, and the ones that were alive and survived were brought mostly into exile, to Babylon, and then later Persia. 140 years later, there's a group of people, a remnant. They try to go back and rebuild the nation and the city, and it doesn't work out super well for them. And it's at that point that Nehemiah shows up on the scene. Nehemiah was a Jew. He was a leader who had survived the exile in Persia, and he actually um, was an official for um, the king of Persia. If you know the story of Nehemiah, you know what he goes on to do. He goes on to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, reestablish the city and the state, and they do this in record time. They do it in 52 days. If you guys have lived in Minnesota and you've experienced summer road construction, they can't really finish anything in 52 days, right? I mean, the project on Lexington in 694 has been going for like two years now. So to think about rebuilding the walls around an ancient city in 52 days, that is epic. It's insane. And we don't have time to look at this whole story, but it begins with God giving Nehemiah a divine burden to rebuild the city and to rebuild the walls and to trust, to trust him. Rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem would have been a monumental task, like I just said. Tons of resources, lots of money, and lots of people. And Nehemiah didn't have any of those things. So what does he do? He does the only thing that he can do. He prays. He takes the first step. And that's where I want us to read this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. I'm going to read it for you guys right here. It says this. Starting in verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Nehemiah was about to start something big. So what did he do first? He started by taking the only step that he could take. He prayed. Guys, I think often the hardest thing 
The hardest part of starting something, let alone something big, is just starting. As I'm reading this and preparing this, I'm thinking of like, man, this is my high school and college experience. I had a really hard time starting books and homework and tests. (laughs) The hardest part of starting something is starting. And notice what Nehemiah does here. He doesn't start to worry or get stressed out. He doesn't curl up in a pile on the floor. He doesn't start making lists and thinking about the logistics of the project. He doesn't start recruiting a team of leaders to help him get organized. He doesn't start delegating responsibilities. He doesn't do any of that. No, he does the only thing that he can do. He prays. And look at how he prays. He first praises God for who God is and what he has said he would do. He then confesses the sins and iniquities of the Israelites as a whole, even though they weren't all his sins. Nehemiah gets to the root problem of why they're in exile in the first place, and he asks for forgiveness. And then he reminds God of the promises God made to his people. God, you said if we did this, you would show up. I don't know about you guys. I don't do that. I don't tell God, hey, buddy, you said you'd do this, so do it. God placed a divine burden on Nehemiah's heart to go back and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Nehemiah then builds a case with God as he's praying, saying, if this is your will, God, help me accomplish your goals. Help me do what you want me to do because I can't do it on my own. God loves when his people listen to the burdens he places on their hearts. God really loves when we respond by putting our trust in him. It's not just saying that we trust. It's actually acting on that trust. It's doing something. I mean, if you read on, if you know this story, Nehemiah goes on to prove that he was the right guy for the job. He was an excellent leader of people. He was organized and strategic. He was a master planner and a project manager, I mean, like a logistical ninja. 52 days, guys. Get him on that Lexington project. But this isn't the point here. God delights in Nehemiah taking the first step, a step of faith, a step of trust that came about because of an ounce of trust. Nehemiah wouldn't have gone anywhere if he hadn't started somewhere. Now, I had you think about that time when you had to start something big a few minutes ago. Go back to that right now. Whatever that situation, whatever that thing was for you. I want you to ask yourself, what was the first thing that you had to do in order to start? Could you have gone any farther if you hadn't done that one thing first? Often the hardest part of doing something big is the starting. And that's the point. Trusting God can be very hard. But all you have to do is start. Take the first step. And the great news about that is that God does not expect us to be perfect. He's actually really excited that we're not. God doesn't expect us to not struggle. He doesn't expect you to always do the right things or follow through. He just wants you to take the first step and then the next step to keep trusting and keep acting. 
when I read this part of Nehemiah, I can't help but think of my kids. One of my favorite and also least favorite things to do in parenting is helping my kids try and explore new foods. Every parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes it doesn't go well. They don't like it. They don't want to like it. They don't like the way the food looks. The food doesn't get tried. It gets wasted. It's in the garbage. But then there are other times where it goes great. They try it. Maybe it takes some time to warm up. But they eventually come around and they enjoy it. And they want more. And I love that. I love seeing them discover something that they enjoy. When I say God delights in our trust, I think it is just like that. I think God loves seeing us try. He loves seeing us take a first step. He loves seeing us learn how to enjoy something. He delights in it. Very similar to the joy that a parent has watching their child discover something new, whether it's food or a hobby, an interest, a relationship. It brings that parent joy. And that's how I got my kids to discover barbecue ribs. They love ribs now, by the way. (laughs) That's what Nehemiah did, not the ribs part. Well, maybe they, well, that's pork. It was probably beef ribs if they had them. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Nehemiah took the first step and he trusted God would do what he said he would do. God delighted in Nehemiah's trust and he honored the request. So how does the story go? Nehemiah asked the king if he and a small group of followers can go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and its defenses. Now, just for a second, think about how much faith you would have to have in order to do that. It's insane. First, you have to ask the king, your conqueror and captor, for your release from captivity and bondage. And then you have to ask if you can go back home. And then you ask if you can take some people with you. And then you ask, hey, can I rebuild the place that you already destroyed uh, and conquered? Is that cool? And then he asks if he could rebuild the city's defenses so that the person you're asking to release you from bondage can't come back and do it again. And then on top of all of those things, as if that wasn't enough, he says, hey, uh, do you mind paying for it and providing all the supplies and the permits? And if you know the story, you know what King Artaxerxes I says. He says, sure. (laughs) Nehemiah and his followers went back to Jerusalem. They were faithful and they trusted despite the obstacles in front of them. And there was more obstacles in that story if we had time to read it. But they rebuilt the wall in record time. It's an amazing story. Now, I'm not reading this to you and talking to you about these things. And I'm not trying to suggest that trusting God is easy. Because it's not. It's not. In fact, I've had moments in my life where it's probably easier for me to trust a group of three freshman boys lifting me 70 feet in the air than it is to trust God. And I know that you know what I'm talking about because you guys have all struggled with that too. But what I am saying is that your God loves you. He loves you so much that he was perfectly willing to do whatever it took to save you from sin. He sent his son Jesus to die for you to be resurrected so that we could live eternally with him. The same way he put a burden on Nehemiah's heart and then gave him everything he needed to accomplish the task, he is willing to do that for you. And on top of all of that, he delights when you take the step and you trust.
And that's what I'm asking you guys to do today. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word and thank you for who you are and how you work. Because if we were left to our own devices, we just would not accomplish much. So God, I just ask that you would give us the courage to dream big and to be able to start small. I ask that you would grant us the faith to start even when we have no clue how things will end up. I ask that you would give us persistence to trust you with the little things and to surrender control of the big ones. And God, I just, I ask for your presence. Give us the power of your spirit. Thank you for today, and I thank you for everyone in this room. And uh, we just love you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.